Praise the name of Jesus. Well, aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful tonight we have a Savior? Hallelujah. Well, let's open to Romans chapter 1. We've been studying the book of Romans. And we are still in chapter 1. We want to make sure, trying to get everybody a chance to catch up with us. And we want to welcome everybody on the internet church. And glad you joined in tonight. And bless you and encourage you. I want to read out of, uh, we've been studying Romans. We were in verse 26 last week. And it says, in verse 26, Romans 1, this is the New Living. It says, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even women turned against the natural way to have sex instead of indulging in sex with each other. Instead, indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Then we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. First Corinthians 6, verse 9, this is the New Living also. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you are cleansed. How many are cleansed here tonight? Hallelujah for the blood of Jesus. Not only are you cleansed, it says you are made holy. <laughs> and you were made right by God calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. What a message. Cleansed, made holy, and made right with God. Thank God. Amen. What, what a precious uh, uh, testimony we all have there and last week I was sharing some th areas in the in the area of homosexuality and you could get the CD from last week or look it up in the archives and I'm going to get into uh, some area of how it's already penetrated the church but one of the things I want to share with you is many times people say you know well you know what it, it mentions there adultery fornication drunkenness greed all of these things I mean sin is sin why don't you preach about the other things like you do it like this well we're going to but this is the only thing about it is is that and I'm going to share with you an article I just got from a uh, um, um, family life uh, research uh, this week yesterday but uh, the homosexuals are out in a campaign trying to attack and intimidate and they're coming out like they say of the closet and wanting to change things and make their behaviors appropriate. And uh, a lot of them are uh, like American Idol and different things. They don't have any problem saying that they're a homosexual. And they're wanting all the rights and everything else. And, and you know, just to show you a quick test, you know, uh, uh, I mean, adultery is a sin just like homosexuality. But the thing about it is, how many adulterers want, want rights? Raise your hand. You won't see any adulterers standing in front of the White House with a sign saying, I want a tax write-off for my lover. You won't see uh, drunkards going around with a sign saying, we want legal rights to drive the roads like anybody else. You don't see, most of these are sins that people want to hide. 
But the thing about homosexuality that has been since Sodom and Gomorrah is that it is such a strong spirit of perversion that it wants to go out and it wants to attack things. And one of the things I want to encourage you about, I'm going to give you a, a phone number, and then I'm going to just share some things with you for just a few minutes here tonight uh, that I felt I need to share about this email I got. Uh, tomorrow, New Jersey is voting on same-sex marriage. And we've been asked as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to call the senator in New Jersey saying that we still believe in, in the marriage covenant between a man and a woman and not a man or a man or a woman and a woman. And they want us to flood the telephone lines. I called Mary Landrew's office and uh, um, Senator Vitter today and uh, about uh, the abortion stuff and everything. And I got that information for you if you want to. But if you write down this phone number, uh, area code 609-609-609. 292-5388. Once again, this is the uh, Senate Majority Office. Area code 609-292-5388. And the Senate is scheduled for meeting tomorrow to try to pass because the Democratic, and, and I'm not coming against Democrats or Republicans, but the Democratic senator that they do have has been uh, replaced by a Republican. And so this Democratic senator is wanting to, they're trying to put pressure on him to change the homosexual laws as he said he would when he went into office before the Republican who is against homosexuality uh, marriages gets into office. So they're putting pressure to try to change these laws before the Senate changes. And so they want phone calls made. So I gave that phone number. And if you didn't get it, you can talk to me later or call. And, uh, or you can look on the FRC prayer team and it would be good for you to get on that prayer list anyway but uh the uh, senator uh, governor uh, i'm sorry the governor governor john crozone is in uh, who's in office uh supports same-sex marriage and it was defeated last month uh but uh he wants to veto it and try to do it again and the homosexual community and activists are trying to put pressure on him but i want to show you a few scriptures here tonight uh, look with me in Psalms 94, because a lot of people want to, they have the mentality, the separation between church and state. And we've already done a study on this over a year ago, but let me give you a few new scriptures here tonight just for you to think about, that uh, we're not supposed to be quiet. And, and the reason we, we're in the condition we are as a nation, and I'll show it to you in the scripture right now, tonight, is that we have been quiet, and we want to be politically correct, and I want to show you as we get into it tonight that the problem the problem grows when the church is quiet. And I want you to see in Psalms chapter 94, verse 14. Psalms 94, verse 14. This is the New Living. It says, The Lord will not reject His people. He will not abandon His special possession. Now listen to verse 15. Judgment will again be founded on justice and those with virtuous hearts will pursue it sometimes you got to pursue justice and righteousness righteousness exalts a nation sin brings it down so it says judgment will again be founded on justice and those with a virtuous heart will pursue it verse 16 who will protect me from the wicked who will stand up for me against evildoers Verse 17, unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. I cried out, I'm slipping. Your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. 
Verse 20. Can unjust leaders claim that God is on their side? I love this. This is new living. Can unjust leaders, those who believe in abortion, killing the unborn, those who believe in, in taking the rights from, from the people we've been given from our forefathers, established on the holy word of God, can unjust leaders claim that God is on their side? They could call themselves Christians, but by their fruit we shall know them. Leaders who decrease permit injustice, they gang up against the righteous. They gang up against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. There it is right there. Verse 22. But the Lord is my fortress. God will turn the sins of evil people back on them. He will destroy them for their sins. The Lord our God will destroy them. Now look at Psalms 110. Psalms 110. Psalms 110 verse 3. Why do we have to call and, and tell them that we're against? Call Senator Landrew and tell her that uh, we are very uh, against her voting for some of the uh, a health uh, budget to pay for abortion. Why are we against it? Here it is in Psalms 110 verse 3. Your people, 110 verse 3, your people shall be volunteers. 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 Everybody raise their hand. Now say, I'm a volunteer. I'm a volunteer in the day of your power. I mean, you know, we all, Lord, give me something to do. I gave you a phone number. He wants you to call and say we are against anything that is against the word of God. Amen. Now look at Proverbs 28.4. Proverbs 28.4. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. We can stand strong on that. It says in Proverbs 28, 4, it says, To reject the law is to praise the wicked. To obey the law is to fight them. Verse 5 says, Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand completely. Boy, that's strong, huh? Look with me in Joshua chapter 23. Just laying some scriptures down because a lot of times, you know, well, you know, why, why do we have to talk about these things in church so we get deeper and deeper into this? Well, the Word tells us to. We're volunteers. And in fact, I, I, I wasn't just a volunteer. I was drafted. God drafted me at 14 years old. And He ain't letting me out at early retirement. And I'm not going to get a dishonorable discharge either. Glory to God. You either. Amen. Joshua 23, verse 6. 23, verse 6. This is the new living. So be very careful, very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. We read last week in the book of Leviticus that God twice he was said he was against homosexuality. Do not deviate or, or stray from it, turning either to the right or the left. Make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until this day. For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you, and no one has yet been able to defeat you. 
Each one of you will put to fight a thousand of the enemy, for the Lord your God fights for you just as he has promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away from him and cling to the customs of the survivors of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry with them, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out of your land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip for your backs and thorny brambles, or in other words, the curse in your eyes, and you will vanish from this good land, this good land that the Lord has given you. Acts chapter 14, verse 3. This is why we pray and we fast, intercede on behalf, humble ourselves and repent for the sins of our nation. Acts chapter 3, 14. Acts chapter 14, verse 3. It says, but the apostles stayed there a long time preaching boldly. Somebody say, preaching boldly. Say again, preaching boldly. Hey, don't be ashamed of believing the Word of God. Don't apologize for believing the Word of God. Don't look for excuses of why we are not in agreement, not only against homosexuality, but even people living together before they get married because that's the modern thing to do. Or to steal, or to lie, or to cheat. Paul preached boldly the gospel about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. And I believe those days are coming back strongly. Look with me in chapter 19 of Acts. Acts chapter 19. How many of you know you need to read the book of Acts? You never see a disciple or an apostle. You never hear Jesus speaking carefully, being politically correct around even the king's. Herod and Pilate thought they would trap him, and he didn't tippy-toe around them either. Acts chapter 19, verse 8. Then Paul went into the synagogue and preached how? Politely. How did Paul preach? Politely. Politically correct. Paul says, I'm so sorry to tell you all this news. No, it says, Paul preached boldly for the next three months, arguing arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting the message and publicly speaking against the way. They did it then, they'll do it now. They beat you then, they'll beat you now. Genesis chapter 19, verse 13. I mean, they'll try to beat you up, but they ain't going to beat the message. Genesis chapter 13, 19, try to pass all kind of bills. I mean, I, I preached this message last week and this week. I preach it fear and trembling, thinking that Next year, if I would start off preaching like this, I could be arrested. Genesis 19, 13. For we are about to destroy the city. We are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy. Talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Not the cry of the people, but the cry of the land that, could not, that detested the filth of their sin. And, and, and going against the ways of God. Look at Psalms chapter 9 with me. Psalms chapter 9. Just wanted to lay a foundation. Why are, are we speaking about these things? Psalms chapter 9 verse 1. Psalms chapter 9 verse 1. I will praise you Lord with my heart, whole heart. 
I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you, and I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Verse 3, I love this in the living. My enemies retreated. How do we pray? There you go. Say that, just say that with me. In the name of Jesus. The enemies against the church of Jesus Christ. The enemies against our country. And the enemies against our children. And the word of God. And the rights of the body of Christ. Must retreat. Will retreat. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. I love that. My enemies retreated. They staggered and died when you appeared. For you have judged in our favor. From your throne you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have erased their names forever. The enemy is finished. In endless ruins. The cities you have uprooted are now forgotten. Well, that's powerful, huh? And then I'll share one more with you. The book of Amos. Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. And the reason, God, you've been coming for Wednesday night for discipleship and getting grounded in the word. Listen to this prophetic word, Amos 8, 11. The time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, who knows all, is all. When I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Hearing the true word of God. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Beautiful girls and strong young men will grow faint in that day, thirsting for the Lord's word. And those who swear by the shameful idols of Samaria, Samaria and take oaths in the name of the God of Dan and make vows to the name of the God of Beersheba, they will all fall down, never to rise again. So how many know that there is going to be a famine of the word? I believe we're seeing that. We're living in those, these days now, but I believe that God is raising up a people, not a church, but a people who speak the word and stand up for truth in every way. Amen. Now, quickly, let's go to 2 Peter and let me get into some of the study tonight. And, and it's so important as we study this. It's, it's just not homosexuality, but it's adultery, fornication, lust, uh, so, Sodom, uh, sodomy, and all these other things that uh, we'll, we'll read about later. Uh, bestiality, all these different things that speak in the book of Romans that men degrade themselves and degrade their bodies and bring a curse upon themselves that many times, you know, people say so often, what is happening to this world? I, I, I would love to see somebody get on Larry King and Larry King says, what is happening to this world? Well, you let the homosexuals, the bisexuals, you've allowed men and women to come with their agenda and their lust and their sinfulness and you've made idols and you've exalted them in their perversion and you've humiliated and put down those who had the voices of God ringing from their hearts. What has happened? The media and Hollywood 
and man and Satan, that's what's happened. But thank God he's, bringing up, he's raising up a remnant as he always had in every generation. And the thing about it is, is that with any type of sin, and, and this is the thing, because technology gets bigger and bigger and possibilities get bigger and bigger. And I know you as well as ourselves who pray over our children and our grandchildren about the things that are accessible and the, the possibilities and the sin and, and all the different things that are there. And, and, and the thing about man was man was made, listen carefully as we get, man was made never to be satisfied. That's why the Word of God teaches us how to live in self-control and how to have laws to keep us safe. But men and women would never be satisfied if their appetites are given into. There's an example of a father and a son, David and Solomon. They had all the women they wanted and could have, and it still wasn't enough. You always want more and that's why we go to church and that's why we pray and that's why we read our word the word of god and that's why we're careful about the things we hear and the things we see that's why we live disciplined lives that's why we believe in accountability and this church has a covering and this church has a, a past pastors over the pastor and uh, the organization the, and the different things and that's why we're accountable should be accountable one to another because no matter who we are flesh desires more I'm not happy with a little glass of eggnog. It's Christmas time. Give me a jug. I mean, you know, you always want more and more. And oatmeal cookies that somebody, who made the oatmeal cookies? Pat, Pat, that was a sin. Don't do that. <laughs> I can't stop eating. They're gone. So if you want to make some more, I'm never satisfied with the oatmeal cookies. Those were delicious. Hallelujah. Anyway, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. This is the New Living Bible. And, and let me just give you some warning here tonight. That we have to be careful. Not only the media in the world, but we have to be careful. Even people who call themselves ministers. And I'll give you some proof in a minute. But listen to this. This is 2 Peter 2 verse 1. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there are false teachers among you. They, uh, listen to this in the living. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies. Listen, I'm going to take my time with this word tonight. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. And this way, they will bring sudden destruction upon themselves. We've seen for years an increase of well-known men on TV and books and well-known men who taught us the word. Start saying there is no hell. That God is a God of love and he will not send anyone to hell. And everyone's predestined to be saved. And, and all these different heresies. And now there's even these big heresies about homosexuality and so forth and so on. Verse 2 says, many, take heed. Listen to what it says here. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. We don't care what he does. He's so anointed. We don't care how he lives and even the accusations against him. He's such a good teacher. They will follow. Many will follow his evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. 
In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell. So for those who believe that God will not send you to hell, he sent his angels to hell. In gloomy pits of darkness, where they were being held until the day of judgment and God. Verse 5, and God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. You hear people say, God's a God. We're all children of God. There is no hell. And if there's a hell, a separation from God. No, listen, the word of God says it here truthfully in the word of God. He sent the angels to hell and he destroyed the earth except for Noah and his family. Noah warned the world. And seven others in his family, Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. God's right, there is God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example. He made them an example of what would happen to ungodly people. Be careful for these people who say there is no eternal punishment. Be careful for these who are changing the word of God. Different interpretation. This is so clear. There is no need for another interpretation. This is the way God meant it to be. And these are examples. He says, let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Here's the, the third. Sodom and Gomorrah is the third example. He says he turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what would happen to ungodly people. Verse 7. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul. Now, I don't know why Lot didn't move, but anyway, he was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Verse 9. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials. Hallelujah. God knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire. Let me read it again. He is also hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire. Right out of the word of God. And who despise authority. Right out of the word of God. So God is warning about these different things to be careful and to take heed. Amen. Amen. Okay, let me read this oracle to you because I'm, I'm running out of time here. There's this uh, homosexual network that Enrique Ruda reveals. Great efforts are made by liberated homosexuals within various religious bodies to alter the teaching and practices. Now, we just read that this was going to happen. Now, here it's happening. To alter the teaching. I don't think God needs to be corrected. I think what God said, he meant forever. Amen? Amen. But these people, just like it prophesied here, and we'll see later in Jude uh, some other time, that it was prophesied they would come and they would alter and they would change the truth of the word of God. Practices of these organizations for the benefit of the movement, mainline Protestant denominations, are notorious for their willingness to compromise, to compromise with the homosexual movement. You see that on TV. 
mainline Methodists and other churches, they show a man and a man coming to the front door on TV, and they say, we accept everybody as they are. And a man and a man will walk through the church door. A woman and a woman will walk through the church door. And you see more of this, and you'll see more of it. If they have their way, you'll see more of it. They ought to accept, we accept everybody. It's true, we accept everybody. But we pray that the word will correct what is not right with you and God. We accept everyone, but we do not accept a lifestyle of sin. Most denominations have gay causes or similar organizations which advocate the homosexual cause within the denomination. But we'll leave a little bit of room for that because, you know, they have that gene. No, it's proven. There's no gene. There's a spirit. There's victimization, bless your heart. There's something horrible that happened. There's a mindset. There's a man-hating spirit that caused a woman to hate men and love women. There's a victimization of a father who was overruling to the son and pushed him so far that he, he, he broke in his mind and turned in thinking he was feminine and didn't match up to what his dad required of him. But we have a heavenly father that loves you regardless of who rejected you, who victimized you, who molested you, who hurt you. There's a Holy Spirit that's been sent to this earth after Christ came for such a sacrifice to free you, to touch you, and to heal you. Mel White is one example of the influence of homosexuality in the church. White was a committed homosexual at the same time he was writing best-selling books and producing award-winning evangelistic films. You heard this. A practicing homosexual. And wait till you hear who he was the ghostwriter for. Listen to this. As recalled in his autobiography, Stranger at the Gate, Stranger at the Gate, about Mel White, his service as a ghostwriter was involved, was writer, he was a ghostwriter for people such as Jerry Farwell, Pat Robertson, W.A. Criswell, and Billy Graham. He also produced films with Dr. James Kennedy and the late Dr. Francis Schaeffer. It wasn't until June 1993 when White was appointed dean of the largest gay lesbian church in the world, Cathedral of Hope, Dallas, Texas, that his commitment to the homosexuality attracted national attention and most evangelicals learned of his sexual preference. Unfortunately, White's rejection of biblical passages and attack upon evangelicals who teach that homosexuality, homosexuality is a sin continued today. White's ministry has caused confusion and turmoil in the lives of some Christians who are struggling with their own sexual identity. You see, when someone's struggling in an area of I their own identity, in, in, in sexuality or any way, it's easy to just be confused and just go farther into areas that you would, not, you, you would think you would never go that way. But when there's confusion or even a little bit of evidence of sin, it just opens the door for greater and bigger things. And it goes on to say, personal agendas of this type which attempt to justify the homosexual lifestyle for Christians and non-Christians alike have only led to thousands of people dying of AIDS. Regardless of the influence of such evangelicals as White or Ralph Blair, founder of the Evangelicals Concerned, 
are proof that the church must effectively deal with the whole area, not only with compassion for those trapped in homosexuality, but with the full commitment of biblical teaching. Amen. Amen, preachers listening by this on internet, my, my co-workers. In recent years, the Christian homosexual community has challenged the orthodox teaching of the church. In Europe, this is been spearheaded by what has been known as the gay Christian movement here in America by evangelicals concerned and metropolitan community churches and related homosexual groups. Episcopal Bishop John Spong argued that homosexuality is being debated in every major body of Christianity in every one of them. A hundred years ago, it was not debated. It was not debated because it was the general consciences that was so self-evident evil. Now, he's calling what we preach out of the Word of God evil. It is being debated even in the Southern Baptist Church. It's being debated today because we are not quite so certain. When you are not certain, brothers and sisters, don't condemn. Do you hear how cute that sounds? Do you, do you hear how deceitful that is? If you're not sure it's sin, don't condemn. We're not confused. And you don't have to be confused. And if you're confused about your agenda, go back to the doctor, let him tell you what you are and be that. And be proud to be what you were born to be. Okay? But confusion is an open door. Where confusion is, every evil work of the enemy is written in the Word of God. The underlying reasons for debate is the confusion. We can debate each other because there's confusion. We're not so sure that this is still true for today. Oh, it's still true for today. As long as there is Jehovah God and His Word, what He wrote is true forever. This confusion itself is the result of False arguments on someone's own self-confusion. So, let me just go ahead and read this and I'll finish with this. Can I have three more minutes? Huh? Okay, y'all sure? Okay. Pro-gay theology is very poor theology that takes advantage of people who do not know any better. It is also unbelievable Arrogant, presuming to know better than every Greek and Hebrew scholar worldwide throughout all the history and biblical tr translation and scholarship. Often ridiculous scriptural claims are made, for example, that Jonathan and David were homosexual lovers. Lie from the pit of hell. They had a covenant of friendship. They were not lovers. David was not gay. Yes, it's quite obvious. Jesus and John were lovers. Lie from the pits of hell. And that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to what they're teaching. That God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because they, were, they weren't hospitable to the angels. That homosexual behavior is only forbidden if the person really isn't homosexual. Or that moral laws found in the Old Testament, holiness code of charge from Christ came if you were ever trapped in a discussion with one of these trails and confusions, the texts themselves explain the heart of God on the issue. Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because the angels didn't give in to the homosexuals. It was destroyed because the city was full of homosexuality and it was putrefying before the presence of God. But they switch it 
And just because John laid his head on Jesus' chest did not make them homosexual lovers. He loved his Savior. He wanted to hear the heartbeat of God. And if I could ever have the possibility of laying my head on the chest of my Savior, I dare anybody call me gay or queer or lay my head on the chest of my Master or sit Gabriel on him. In the context of, you got to read the context of the passage. In extra biblical writing of that day, the centuries, they tried to say, well, that was a scripture that meant this or this was that. No, you cannot explain away the truth. It is so clear in the word of God. And the most important thing, there is a heaven, there is a hell, and there's only one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. And there is a holiness. There is holiness. And there is beauty in holiness. You're confused because you've experienced religion and tradition and denomination. But if you ever get in the presence of the Master, and if you ever get in the presence of the Holy Spirit, if you ever see the beauty of His holiness, you cannot go back to that lifestyle, whether it's adultery, fornication. You cannot go back into a bar. Not just homosexuality. You cannot go back and live in a bar if you truly experience the presence of the holiness of God. You want to talk about an addiction? The high is high. The drink that satisfies. The food that fills. The peace that overrules. The joy that ever fools, fools and fulfills and flows. You want to talk about a life? Is the addiction of the presence of the Most High God. It's the, it's the glory of God where Moses said, don't take your glory from me. Who said, don't take your presence from me. Kill me with these people, but don't take your presence from me. That's what causes people to stick to the truth. Is when you've had an encounter with Jesus. When you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your strength, with all of your might. They came to the disciples and they told Andrew, the Greeks did, we desire to see Jesus. Because once you see Jesus, once you see the face of Jesus Christ and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ that Paul spoke about, once you see the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Once you have an encounter with the glory of God. There's nothing that man has ever made or can ever make. That will give you the fulfillment and the completion. That's the presence of Jesus himself. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we come before you tonight. Lord, we repent on behalf of our people, on behalf of our land. We repent that we have made ourselves gods. We've made our desires gods. We have made our lust gods. Instead of making you and your word first and utmost in our life. We repent that even as many have been called Believers, Christians, ministers, teachers, pastors, evangelists, whatever the title may have been. 
Lord, if there's any area of our speech that is not in agreement with your word, we are in error and we stand in place of judgment. We repent for taking lightly your word, your presence, your commandments. Forgive us for taking lightly what you went to such, such depths to write upon tables of stone that man threw down because he knew it could not be, it could not be obeyed. The minute you wrote it with your finger of fire, Moses threw him down and broke him because at that moment, the people were living all the sin there was to live in. Lord, it's only by your grace and your strength can we live obediently to your word. We're not strong in ourselves. We do not claim any self-sufficiency. Lord, we don't even claim enough self-control to battle the temptations of the flesh. But we cry to you, merciful God, and we cry out tonight for ourselves and those listening by internet who will listen by internet. And for all those who ever hear this word and listen to your word. We cry out for mercy, God, for you are a merciful God. And you said that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And Father, we cry out for mercy that you showed when you sent your son to a dying, sin-sick world to pay the price and break the curse that we can be saved. We cry out for mercy, O oh Lord. If you're here tonight and you're battling and you might have failed today, you might have failed before coming to church, just right now, cry out to God for mercy. Nobody else needs to know, but before you and your holy Father, cry out for mercy and ask Him to forgive you of your sins and wash you and cleanse you in His precious blood. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out right now. Cry out to Jesus. Lord, I repent. I repent of my sins, known and unknown. I repent for the evilness of my heart. I repent for compromising. Oh, Father. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for falling into the sin of comfort. Being so comfortable. There's not even time to come to church. So many things to do. But you're not the priority. Lord, we seek you first in your kingdom. And we thank you for all the kingdom being added to us. We preach the word boldly and we ask you to confirm your word with signs and wonders. Not just in miracles and healings. But in the breaking of bondages and addictions. Signs and wonders following your precious children that you bought and purchased we're getting free and breaking addictions and breaking trials and temptations and sin that so easily besets each and every one of us. Thank you for the grace wherewith we are able to stand. And Lord, I pray as tonight, I pray, give us a discerning heart, discerning ears, discerning eyes. Give us and give our children and our children's children discernment of spirit to discern between truth and lie, 
between what is God and what is of man, and which is also of the devil, the doctrine of devils. Help us to be able to discern and know the difference between a God word, a man word, and a satanic word. Help us to know the difference between what is of the spirit and what is of the flesh and what is of hell. Give us a discerning heart. And thank you that you've given each and every one of us, hallelujah, the keys of the kingdom to bind and to bound. Thank you for authority, dominion over all the power of the enemy. Thank you that you are with us, hallelujah. And you have given us all authority over all the power of the enemy. And even as the disciples were rejoicing because that the devils were subject to your name and they were submitted to the authority of the name of Jesus, we tonight thank you for the authority and the power of the name of Jesus that even as we pray for our president and Washington and Congress and senators and governors as we pray over the issues of our land, as we pray over our children in the schools they go to, as we pray over the vehicles, as we we pray over their, their lives in their rooms as we pray over our lives and our homes and our jobs. Thank you for the authority in the holy, powerful, unlimited name of Jesus Christ to bind and bound every power of hell and Satan and demonic. Thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus, the Lamb, the Lord, the Lion. Thank you for the blood that is over us. And you said you will confirm your word that's uncompromised with your uncompromising power. And may the fire from heaven fall over us, your altars and sacrifice to prove to the world that between Baal and between God, God is our God and we will serve you. I pray in Jesus' name. So I was praying, the Holy Spirit reminded me, I got a call, uh, uh, one of the ministries with support, and one of our dear friends and a part of this ministry here is in Washington, and all 50 states got to Washington yesterday, and they are divorcing America with the spirit of Baal, and there are ministers and intercessors and pastors and ministries from every state in America, right now in Washington, breaking the power and divorcing Baal today and tomorrow. So we praise God for that in Jesus' name. And we believe God we're going to see a revival. We believe 2010 is going to be an awesome revival year in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, listen, we love you. We bless you. If you need prayer, we're going to be here to pray with you. Hug a neck. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for coming and fellowship with us on Wednesday nights. God bless the Wednesday night crew. Don't quit. Thank you for being here. We love you. See you Sunday morning, 9 at 15, Sunday school. 1030 Church. God bless you. Amen.